Uh, there's a lot of back. Is there an interior room you can go to? Only Abby. Nuku, <laughs> can you let me use your room to do the podcast for Abby and she can hear you if you complain? <laughs> <laughs> I promise not to snoop in your stuff. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> It'll distract you too much. So, but that's good. That's better. That's way better. I'm Abigail Disney. Welcome to All Ears, my podcast where I get to go deep with some super smart people. This season, I'm talking to good troublemakers, artists, activists, politicians, and others who aren't afraid to shake up the status quo. We'll talk about their work, how they came to do what they do, and why it's so important in hard times to think big. You can't think about solutions without being a little optimistic. And man, oh man, I think we need some optimism right now. We're only a few days into 2021, and what a week we're having. We had about 20 minutes to be happy about Georgia, and I was very happy about Georgia before we were glued to our television sets as we watched all hell actually, truly, literally break out in the Capitol. For so long, Americans have felt secure in our democracy, believing that coups and election violence and things like that were things that happened in other countries, not here. We were special. Of course, people of color have known for a long time that that wasn't true. When it comes to civil strife, no one understands it better than my dear, dear friend, Lema Bowie. Liberia had been at war for so long that my children had been hungry and afraid their entire lives. That's Lema in Pray the Devil Back to Hell. Some say the war was about the gap between the rich and the poor. The film I co-made about the civil war in Liberia. Some also say that the war was about the hatred between the different ethnic groups. In it, the women of Liberia confront the men who have kept war raging for over a decade. Power, money, ethnicity, greed. But there is nothing in my mind that should make people do what they did to the children of Liberia. Because of Lema and the other women, the war in Liberia finally ended. She went on to win the Nobel Peace Prize in 2011. I don't know really anybody who's as wise as Lema, and I certainly don't know many people who've watched their capital get ransacked. There's no one I wanted to talk to more. So Wednesday night, I called her up. Lema, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me on such short notice. Thank you, Abby, for having me. I think the best place to start here is that image of a white guy sitting in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's chair with his feet up on her desk. He might as well be peeing on a fire hydrant. His arrogance speaks volumes about white male privilege. So talk to me about the white piece, how race played into this moment. Well, first thing first, Abby, as an outsider, and I'll keep saying an outsider because I'm, I'm an African, I'm a Liberian, a proud one at that, but those of us who live outside of the U.S. have seen 
how racist remarks, racist action, horrible politics has taken over this country. And through it all, very few people, the good people, didn't speak loud enough. And it is sending a message out that we condone this. And so we've been following this. And we follow, I followed the protests after George Floyd and the, the way the National Guards came out swiftly. But today, people were able to march and break through. And no one has called it terrorism. And that's the reason why white privilege has prevailed in this country. Because when it's one race, it's terrorism, it's something else. And when it's another race, it's that thing. So these people came knowing that there's absolutely no way the police will shoot at us. We are the privileged race. The guy in in Nancy Pelosi's office, beyond white privilege, why didn't he go to some man's office? So it's not just about race. It's about this woman with power. And I want to go into that space and prove to her that a man will always be able to take over her space. Who the hell does she think she is? A woman trying to control us. So going in there was that act of let's try to subdue her. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely true. And the specter of Kamala Harris, who combines those things, being the tie-breaking boat in the Senate, I'm sure didn't help matters in terms of their their behavior. I'm sure that they're dreading what's headed their way because it's it's everything that they've been afraid of. They're going to use that privilege against their own. Nancy Pelosi is part of the white privilege. But because she speaks a different language than a lot of these people, that's why they're coming at her. So what I keep thinking about, like some of the footage that I watch of these men, you know, it's just yelling and they just seem so unreachable. They don't seem any different to me than the boys that I saw in the footage coming out of Liberia. They don't seem any different at all. Did you see that kind of impenetrability? And, and how do you handle that? Well, I, I know that no situation is irredeemable, Abby, you know, but sometimes in, in the sad part of what we're seeing in America is that people ha- are seeing this audacity and the violence that Trump has pe- perpetuated during the four years of his presidency as a joke thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and until some of these people get to that place where they take out that anger, that rage, <laughs> that's the only time there will be space for conversation. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's very toxic. Right now, everyone is holding on to this ground that we are right. What we're seeing in this country is the difficulty of finding a group of people who can help to neutralize the situation. So it, it is ordinary people using their voice and using their energies to step out there to say enough is enough. Because for every young man that was on that capital step today, there is a mother sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. All of those who care about the peace 
and the love and the justice in America should be reaching out to those women and saying to them, it's time for you to tell your people to stop this. And it is only when those conversations start in homes that it can now transcend into communities and then at the national level. Every American must be very careful about the language they use. Because for a nation that has never seen anything like this, all you see is rage. But rage is not going to create the kind of calm that America needs in this moment. And the adults in the room will be those people who will be calling the collective humanity of every American. That's what this moment is calling to. Right, right. Before I go any further, I feel like I need to explain a little bit about Liberia. It's a remarkably resilient country of 5 million people right on the west coast of Africa. And it has this tie to the United States because it was founded by freed and freeborn Black Americans in 1821. By the start of the American Civil War in 1861, more than 15,000 freed and freeborn people of color had relocated there from the United States. They wrote a Liberian constitution that was even modeled after ours, and their flag actually is our flag, but with one star. There were people there when they got there, and that led to ethnic tension. There was political conflict and instability in the 70s and 80s, which led to military rule and tons of corruption. Then two civil wars, which killed a quarter of a million Liberians and displaced almost half the people. The leader who emerged from all this chaos and was fomenting it was a former rebel leader named Charles Taylor. He was democratically elected in 1997 with 75% of the vote. He was very charismatic. He had an incredibly rabid, faithful following who believed every word out of his mouth. He was completely unscrupulous and narcissistic. He lied, he cheated, and he used the public airwaves to promote whatever he needed to promote. Can you just explain to me what happened in Liberia and who Charles Taylor was? He won the elections in Liberia in 1997, and he was very divisive, and and it took us back to different kinds of civil war, different levels of wars, until in 2003, all hell broke loose. And then what did the women do? Um, So in 2003, the women decided that they had had enough of the war, of the rape, and all of the different things that were happening to our children. So we came together, formed ourselves into a group of Christian Muslim women called the Liberian Women Mass Action for Peace. And it was the mass action that started to protest. And we protested for many months calling for three things, disarmament, the deployment of a peacekeeping mission, and a dialogue between the warring parties. And we got all three, and we got peace. And from 2003 till today, Liberia has not heard the sound of a gun. Yes, we have issues, but we haven't gone back to war. I think that's a mistaken idea about peace, right? That when you get to peace, everything is perfect. Well, I've found the perfect definition of peace. In my opinion, peace is not just the absence of war, but peace is the presence of every condition 
that dignifies everyone. So any society that fails to dignify her people will never see true peace. Maybe some people will consider me nuts to see parallels with countries in civil war. Um, do you think I'm nuts? No, I don't think you're nuts. And I definitely don't think that our conversation, in as much as we're bringing Liberia in, is saying that we're comparing Liberia with America. I think when we compare some of the things that we did, yes, we had a war. But what led us to the war was some of the issues that you all are struggling with today. Are you going to war? I don't think so. But do you have peace? Definitely not. And so it is that quest for peace that brings the comparison between these countries. It is that quest for justice and truth that brings the comparison during this conversation. Because when people say these are two different places, yes, they're definitely two different places. But what we cannot take away is that what affects any group of people in any space affects all of us in some ways because we're tied together, whether we like it or not. Yeah. I can hear already on Twitter people saying, oh, all the evil people will be talking about reconciliation. <laughs> and no one thinks there's reconciliation in the offing anywhere right now. But any talk of peace, it tends to get dismissed lately in this country as weakness. So I need you to explain to America why peace is where strength is, not weakness. Peace is not weakness. Well, Abby, we, we, we haven't gotten to peace yet. What America needs right now is truth. There is a festering sore and it's stink and it's smelling. And it the scent of that sore called intolerance, racism, it has been really unveiled to the world in a way that no one can cover it up again. And if America must heal, the only bomb for that festering soul is truth. Truth that, yes, white privilege is alive and well, and the world watch it today. Truth that racism has always been a center of our politics and our daily existence. Truth that the women in this country still are disrespected regardless of their color, their creed. Truth is that if it was black men on the steps of the Capitol today, they would be taking body bags out of D.C. Truth. It's time for truth. And the only way to peace is truth. So, so let me ask you another question, because I'm with you on thinking that the women are the answer to this, except for the problem of the women among them in that protest or insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And there were certainly lots of women around Taylor and part of the problem that you were facing. So, so help me understand those women, the ones who are rooting for the conflict, the ones who are engaged in the suppression and, and willing uh, accomplices. Well, I'll take a step back. I was socialized to believe that good would overcome evil. 
that we were we are one people, we're this, we're that. A lot of things were reinforced into my head when I was growing up. A lot of these women were socialized like me on different issues, including yourself. Mm-hmm. So the group of women that you're seeing in that protest, I'm not speaking for them, but I assume are there because according to them, they're fighting for the values that were enshrined into them. And those values should not be compromised, even if it means dying. So as far as they're concerned, being on the steps of the Capitol is to save the lives of unborn children. It is about Jesus and bringing him back into schools and churches and all of the different things. So they're fighting for that, for the values. But what they don't understand is that a lot of those men are in there because of their ego. It has nothing to do with the values that these women are fighting for. Yeah. Well, I do think there are women in the mix there who really are just in it for their egos, just the same as the men are. And we can't forget about that. I mean, they've recognized that women have a special position in a conservative power structure. And they are positioning themselves to exploit that weird double um, bind that they're in to their advantage. And uh, I'm, I'm beginning to set aside my notions of women's specialness, honestly, because they are really causing me to lose some of my faith. You, 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 sh- you, should, never, you should never do that, Abby. I am 100% optimistic when it comes to the power that we have to transform things. And there's, there, there should always be room in our minds that is about our collective humanity. I'll tell you one thing. My biggest fear watching everything that is happening today is what is it signaling to countries in Africa, oppositions and, and, and ruling parties, how we will begin to see people carry out these same things and they'll say, oh, yes, if it could happen in the U.S., who are you to stop us from doing this? So this is not just a threat to America's democracy. It is a precedence that is being set for the rest of the world. But there's also a moment where America needs to reframe the language because everything that has been spoken in this country or that is being spoken hides the truth. What we see happening is no longer a civil rights issue. Right now, in this moment, if you start saying, oh, we must make peace, what people will start to think about is that it means everything that happened today, we should sweep it under the carpet. No, that's not peace. Lema, do you think that today was the beginning of something or just a blip? No, I think today is the beginning of something. But our response, your response, the women's response, the religious community response, every American response to today will determine how the rest of the country or the, the, the decades later, how it's going to happen. That is definitely what people should be thinking about. Let's just close our eyes and imagine that everything that is happening today is a big ball of problems. The problem of racism, sexism, and all of the different things. If you took a pig fork and chipped off a tiny piece, just a tiny piece, it's not a whole ball of problem again. And if another person take another thing and chip off, it's not. And so if 
each and every person in this community, in this country who believes in peace, justice, and human rights, decide that I'm going to do my tiny bit beginning tonight. By tomorrow morning, is no longer a whole ball of issues because some of it would have been chipped out. Some people's role would be to give hope because there are many young people watching today and saying there is no hope for this country. And so if you're able to give one person hope, imagine that ripple effect. Some people's role will be able to say we're standing with the women or we're standing with the Speaker of the House or we're ensuring that that guy who had his leg on the decks will face the full weight of the law. If some people's role would be Let's get all of the religious leaders together, including the one who spoke all of the negativity and led us to this place, so that we begin a conversation on reconciliation. But this is definitely a nation in chaos. And everyone has a role. If you have a group of people that have a purpose or that have a determination that I am not going to leave my nation the way it is when God is calling me home, you can change a tide. You can change something. And that is the kind of determination that we need to put out there. It may look difficult, but it's not as hard as it seems. Purpose, commitment, and faith will get you there. I think I'm going to leave it there, Lema. Thank you so much. Twenty eleven Nobel Peace Laureate Lema Bowie. I feel the need to spell her name for you. G B O W E E. Lema Bowie is a Liberian peace activist and women's rights advocate. She is the founder of the Bowie Peace Foundation and currently serves as the executive director of the Women, Peace, and Security Program at Columbia University. And, and a special thank you goes out to my partner making the documentary that featured Lema, Pray the Devil Back to Hell, the wonderful director, Ginny Redeker. All Ears is a production of Fork Films. The show was produced by Alexis Pancrazi and Christine Schomer. Lauren Wimbush is our associate producer. Sabrina Yates is our production coordinator. Our engineer is Veronica Rodriguez. Bob Golden composed our theme music. The podcast team also includes VP of Production, Aideen Kane. Our executive producer is Kathleen Hughes. Learn more about the podcast on our website, forkfilms.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review All Ears wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.